Yeah, they're chili, so watch might out. Be, might be a bit spicy for you. That's the chili kettle. We've got some Lay's sour cream and chives. I don't think there's I've ever encountered a a chip that you could buy it at a Woolworths or a corner store that was too spicy for me. And that's, that's that's not praise for my sort of chili resistance. I'm just saying they wouldn't release that kind of stuff to the general public. <laughs> too dangerous? It's too dangerous. You're suggesting I wouldn't be able to handle a kettle chip. Something from the kettle family of chip, the most milk toast standard range of chips, and you think their chili might be too much for me. Well, that's why I got the Lay's, like the sour cream and chives, to take the edge off. See how he goes, folks. Perfectly fine. Yeah? No, you need to wait, This mate. is swimming carnival food. Mm. Uh, it's got a bit of bite, but you know what? Well within my capabilities. <laughs> Very impressive. I have a friend who uh, has the meme account Cabbage Cat. Uh-huh. He believes that he was suspended from Instagram <laughs> for posting a meme that said Chipotle saying, would you like avocado on that? And he said, no, thanks. I'm white. That's way too spicy for me. <laughs> and he thinks that the, <laughs> the Instagram censored him for that. Yeah. And fair enough, you know, it's supposed to be a fairly wholesome platform. Well, it's funny you should bring up censorship because that's the subject of today's episode. We're talking about the Twitter files. Yeah, wow. Listener, you, friend, subscriber, hopefully premium subscriber. Patreon.com slash, no, wait, downround.net. You'll be very pleased to know that James Hennessy has read every volume of the Twitter files so you don't have to. That's right. Thank you, James. Huge. Massive. Headline news. Absolutely. This is kind of blowing the door off of the way things really work. (laughs) I know we've done a few episodes over the preceding months about Elon Musk and Twitter. I don't think we have to apologize for it. No, you know what? Um, that's just reflex. It's reflex. I'm sort of a beta male who apologizes for everything I do. Hmm. Obviously, you're more of sort of an alpha archetype. I'm sigma. You're a sigma male? Yeah, yeah. Like Patrick Bateman. Nirvana song playing. Uh-huh. The Twitter files are this explosive WikiLeaks-style revelation from Elon Musk about the way things were done at Twitter prior to his ascension yeah. and acquisition. Um, of the company. So basically, for those that aren't aware of what's happened here, Elon has decided to throw open the books in a controlled manner by giving access to sort of the email system, their what, their I guess their Slack, their internal memos to a small handful of selected journalists mm. to sort of uh, shine a spotlight. Yeah, exactly. Sunlight is a disinfectant, wouldn't you say? It's the best disinfectant. Mm. I would say I've said that before. Yeah, exactly. So obviously you would think that would apply in this case. So he's got them to pick apart, realistically, the things that sort of pissed off right-wing Twitter users for a very long time. Yeah, so we're talking, what, Hunter Biden, talking about Donald Trump being banned, we're talking about censorship of conservative voices. Shadow banning. Shadow banning, all this kind of stuff. Now, I have to be, I'm an open book here, much like Twitter is now. I'm an open book. I believe in transparency. So I read the first thread, the first Mm -hmm. Twitter files. They're calling it the Twitter files. Unbelievable. (laughs) And I kind of, you know, the mind started drifting off and I think I was just scrolling at a certain point. I dissociated a little bit. It wasn't a very well put together thread. I'm going to say, obviously, one of the big things that he wanted to do was be like, not only are we revealing this information, we're revealing it natively on Twitter. How, you know, how epic is that? Yeah. All of them have been very bad threads. Yeah. My eyes glazed over and I, I mean, I have some thoughts on it, but- 
once Twitter files two, three, four, and five. By number two, to be honest, I didn't read number two. So I'm going to be learning about some of this stuff in real time. Okay. So we know we know who does their prep for the podcast uh, and who just shoots from the hip. Well, I knew it was coming, but I still couldn't bring myself to bother. No, fair enough. So the first thread, which was, as you say, was by Matt Taibbi, former Rolling Stone journalist. And can I say, I actually like, respected him as a journalist. I think he's done some good work in the no, past. No, he's, he's done phenomenal work. But he's one of those guys who's definitely sort of become red-pilled. Yeah, I, this is a whole episode in itself. But like people like him, and the same could probably be said for Glenn Greenwald, who's done some like excellent reporting. A, I feel like they've become really bitter at, I guess, I don't know, not being in the mainstream media club. B, they definitely see the true enemy as, I guess, like the Democratic Party and liberal politics. Like, they're obviously very pissed off at the liberal media and liberal establishment and possibly see them as kind of the true enemy to yeah, yeah. possibly leftism if they even see themselves as leftists anymore. I don't, I don't. Well, yeah, look. And three, though, most importantly, they love pissing people off. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I kind of get that. Like, I get, like, they love that reaction where they can say something or do something that I think they believe some things, but they know that they can get a reaction from some of their takes, and it's kind of fun to just piss people off. And I totally get that. I yeah, like, yeah. I'm a troll from way back. Like, I love trolling. I love just saying something you don't really care about and then seeing people really take it to heart and get <laughs> mad about it. Like, that's You're fun. You're going to be making people mad. Well, look, it, it is kind of telling the, the group of people he's chosen to be his official media partners for the release of the Twitter files. Wiki- he being Elon. Being Elon, sorry. Do I said WikiLeaks before, but he didn't do it WikiLeaks style. He didn't just dump all these documents on the internet for people to read and make up their own mind. He sort of hand-fed them to this group of selected journalists. One of them is Matt Taibbi, as I said. The other one is Barry Weiss. Who offers nothing. Yeah, who... I mean, just in general. I haven't read her fucking thread. <laughs> no, no. Uh, she what used to be at the New York Times. And she was kind of like the moderate conservative voice or Yeah, something? she was kind of like, you know, one of the people who pitches is like, I'm a liberal, but I have, you know, I've got some heterodox thoughts on things, I think, freely. But like yeah, intellectual dark web or whatever. He has her on side. And also the other one was Michael Schellenberger, who has written a lot about climate change being a scam, but also wrote a book called San Francisco, <laughs> which was about San Francisco being a poorly managed sort of liberal hellhole or whatever, mm. which obviously is a... It's true. Sure. <laughs> and to be clear, all these are kind of like, what you would describe as Substack guys. They're all mm. self-published people who crusade against the liberal establishment and the Democratic Party and what have you. Now, to be fair, like Matt Taibbi probably has pissed off a bunch of people in the quote-unquote liberal establishment or like the media elite. Barry Weiss has not. Oh, well, d- yeah. I mean, they, they certainly don't like her anymore because she left New York Times. But what I mean, it was like she like left New York Times claiming that she was kind of cancelled or whatever, but yeah, yeah. it was purely on her. Wasn't she supposed to start some university in Austin? Yeah, a bunch of them got involved in that. It was sort of unedifying for all involved. <laughs> anyway, I said that some people got red-pilled during COVID. We can put Elon in that camp as well. He's mm. obviously a guy who... The minute they tried to shut down the Tesla plants. Yeah, well, he was mad about COVID. I assume throughout he was in some group chats with some other tech guys who were g themselves up into being, you know, right-wing or whatever. I mean, he's a multi, multi, multi-billionaire who doesn't like unions. <laughs> Obviously, he was always that way inclined. Anyway, so he's, he has chosen to partner with these people to unleash the truth about how Twitter was operating Yeah, with the implicit understanding that things are going to be a little bit different around here. Mm. This isn't going to be your daddy's Twitter. So 
They've sliced it up into sort of drops where it's like, this is the Twitter files part one. Mm. This is the Twitter files part two. And it's bouncing between these three people, Matt Taibbi, Barry Weiss, Michael Schellenberger. They're all sort of tag teaming on this uh, scoop. Bombshell. Yeah. We'll go through. You'll quickly realize that there's a lot of crossover. Episodes three through five are all about one thing. And they sort of talk about each and whatever, so there's a bit of bleed. But mm. the first issue was the Hunter Biden laptop. Yeah. So for those who aren't aware, the Hunter Biden situation happened during the election, during the 2020 election. There was a release of the information that was on Hunter Biden, son of Joe Biden's laptop. And the context being that there's a long-running sort of like argument that Hunter Biden was a guy who would sell access to his dad. He was on the board of a Ukrainian energy company. Yeah. Presumably not because of his rich and deep knowledge of no. Ukrainian energy I mean, markets. No, he definitely was paid money by various companies around oh, totally. the world for, quote, unquote, access. Absolutely. So- and obviously he was also a guy who loved to party. Yeah. No sledging here. No. I'm happy to to see him having a good time. Known party boy. Exactly. He know. So as, <laughs> so as, a, re- <laughs> as a result, his laptop was- not necessarily full of incriminating information. A lot of pictures of his of his dick. Mm-hmm. Large. <laughs> I'm not making any quantitative analysis here. Um, him smoking but, crack. Him smoking crack, yeah. Having Again, sex. He loves party, yes, exactly. Engaging the services of various women. But what happened is that when that story came out, New York Post was, I believe, the first people to report on the existence of the laptop. Mm. There was speculation out there that it was the result of a you know Russian hack job. Yeah. I actually can't remember where that landed. I don't think it was in the end. So the original story was what? He took it into a laptop repair place and forgot to pick it up. Yeah. Is one side of the story. That's like the kind of right-wing narrative, I think. And so, therefore, it was within the computer repairman's right like, to leak purview it. to leak it, with the flip side being like it was a Russian hack. And it's like a disinformation campaign. Look to try and make Trump win. I don't know where. I don't. Let's not get lost in the weeds here. Yeah. The fact is that Twitter suppressed the spread of this story, which was known. This is not something that's been unleashed. Mm. They said it it contravenes our hacked materials policy. Yeah. So we're either going to ban it or suppress it from spreading further, which didn't really work because I think anyone who cared ended up finding it out about a laptop. Yeah, but this was basically the contents of Matt Taibbi's thread, right? Is like the ins and outs of the Slack conversation exactly. surrounding, like, how do we handle this? How do we, he's leaking screenshots and whatever of how Twitter employees dealt with this problem, essentially. And I guess this is why I kind of disengaged a little bit, because to be perfectly honest, to me, it seemed like a pretty reasonable conversation. I mean, I think we all agree as a society that you're not allowed to leak other people's nudes, <laughs> you know, right? And like... This is also, should these pictures and everything be put out to the public? Maybe there is a public interest, I guess, but that's the debate you've got to weigh up. I think the one mistake, like I wouldn't have gone as far as banning like links to the New York Post. Like New York Post reported yeah. on it. That probably was slightly too far, but also I can totally see it reasonable being like we have a policy where we don't allow hacked material. It's material that's been accessed without the person's consent to be spread across our platform. So I can see how you would end up at, we yeah. should block that. Obviously, like the people who are at work at Twitter are, are libs, right? They want Biden to beat Trump in the election. So that's going to play a part in it. Yep. I wouldn't have gone as far as the New York Post, but I can, like, it was kind of a pretty boring governance conversation. Yeah. I think that this is sort of the common theme that pops up in a lot of this sort of stuff. Yeah. I think to put my cards on the table, I think all this stuff is like newsworthy. I think these are platforms that people use 
well, sorry, I was about to say everyone uses the communicate. Actually, only a small portion of the internet uses Twitter to communicate. But it is a power center. It is something that has an influence and control over the public discourse. I think a lot of like understanding how they came to decisions and whatever is public information. No, so that's Elon, fair enough. So if, it probably if, should be more transparent about exactly, how they- if, Exactly. If Elon wants to unleash your stuff on the internet, fine. But an honest appraisal of what's actually inside it, it's like- yeah, I, you can point at a bunch of stumbles they've made. You can point at some like bad decisions or bad thinking or biased thinking. But on the whole, you see a bunch of people dealing with a problem that is difficult in the context of their own policy and the broader impact of their actions. And there's like a lot of internal disagreement and argument. Mm. There are a lot of people that don't disagree with what they're doing and raise that. There are people that broadly think that it shouldn't, they shouldn't let it spread, but I'm not sure about how they should do it mechanically or make it work so it's like exactly what you would experience in your own sort of workplace when you're trying to argue through a problem on which not everyone is going to agree yeah at the end of the day probably insurmountable problems depending on the sort of network you want to create Mm. so that's where you land on that although the other aspect which i think was something that a lot of people could probably assume and this happens throughout the whole series there's lots of like allusions to people like dealing with American three-letter agencies, the FBI and the CIA. Yeah, and and politicians. Yeah, exactly. But in that first Taibbi thread, and I know that there's probably more down the line, but like in that first Taibbi thread, there was a Democratic senator or member of the House or whatever who was like, do you think that suppressing articles from the New York Post is a good idea? Like it was actually like kind of saying the opposite from a free speech perspective. Should you be blocking links to the media? I just have some concerns there. But that was used as an example of like, see, they're in contact with... Yeah. Democratic operatives or whatever. And it's like, I'm not surprised. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. politicians are like in contact with people at Twitter. And also like, that's not really proving your point. Isn't the Democrat arguing from your perspective? Um, yeah. Basically, I was like, this is confusing and all over the place and I don't get the bombshell. But you can maybe let me know in parts two, three, four or five <laughs> that there's like an absolute bomb about to drop. No, I think this is sort of the consistent theme we'll, we'll see throughout. The intrusion of like the FBI and the SCIA and whoever to asking Twitter to do things or making requests of Twitter or liaising with Twitter's senior content people. Again, I think it's great that that stuff gets kind of like exposed and people are aware mm. that those sort of channels are open. Totally. But, but again- I would expect I would, that. Yeah. What are Twitter supposed to say? Like, rule one, don't talk to cops. If, if, I, <laughs> if I was told that like the FBI had never had a meeting with um, Twitter's head of content, I would be like, someone's got to take their finger out over there. <laughs> <'Cause> I, <laughs> um, I said, I'm, my record on this is strong. Anyone who knows me, first thing they think of is that guy doesn't like cops. But cops are going to be in there. Oh, they're around. Otherwise. They're around. Don't you worry. That was one thing, the the Hunter Biden thing, which is, again, very politically charged issue. Obviously, in America, in Australia, we don't need to care about Hunter Biden's laptop. It's one of the liberating things about living in the working man's paradise. (laughs) (laughs) Is you don't have to worry about what happens on Hunter Biden's laptop. Mm, The land of milk and honey. Exactly. (laughs) The second issue they tackled in part two was one of the big things that right-wing users on Twitter complain about all the fucking time, shadow banning. To clarify what shadow banning is, This is something that is a big complaint on Twitter, but also comes up a lot on Instagram and Facebook and other platforms and any platform where you basically have people that are posting and being consumed by an audience is it's the tool where it's like, you don't get banned where you can see and log on and be like, you've been banned for telling someone you wanted to cut their head off. Mm. Instead, your content just doesn't get shown to people. Mm. You're sort of posting into the void with no one being able to see what you're talking about or a very limited set of people being able to know what you're talking about. And the Twitter files are now released this information, which sort of showed the control panel that 
Twitter has access to. Mm. What's the conclusion? Were they individually shadow banning people? Yeah, so the conclusion is that basically, at least based on what the screenshots showed, that the, the yeah, the answer is yes, that people had various tags attached to their account, mm. which were things like do not amplify and hidden from search, which is also definitely another thing. There are definitely, you can try this right now, well, maybe not now, now, now that Elon's back in charge and free speech is back, baby. Mm-hmm. You know, comedy is legal. Thank God. There are definitely people where if you would search their username, it wouldn't auto-populate in the little search drop-down mm. that comes when you start typing. See, I always assumed that was because Twitter's search is just so shit because it is so shit. <laughs> it, is, it is actually really bad. So, yeah, there are definitely people that were hidden from search or whatever. Their content not sort of surfaced by the algorithm. This is all kind of like assumption based on what the tag said, like do not amplify hidden from so I mean, you know, it is kind of pretty obvious. And the counterclaim that people say is that, like, of all, all the people they listed who were, like, subject to this regime, right-wing influencer types, mm. still have huge audiences and their content gets, like, spread around Twitter pretty often anyway. Were they actually hobbled enough where it kind of took away their presence on the platform? Probably mm. not because they actually had relatively big accounts. And I think you're right that, again, this is probably an issue that it would be good to have a little bit more transparency around Twitter policies when it comes to shadow banning, quote-unquote, or not amplifying. But the flip side is I think that this is a big issue that, like, platforms, I think, should be held more accountable for amplifying certain messages. Mm -hmm. In In the case of the Christchurch massacre, the reality was that platforms were amplifying those videos on YouTube and on Facebook. And yes, the platforms did like as good a job as they can to try and restrict that. But at the end of the day, someone posting that from a Facebook page with 100 likes and it being seen by 50,000 people, that means that the platform has amplified that quote unquote beyond that person. But also our society at the moment says that the platform themselves doesn't deserve any scrutiny or responsibility for kind of showing that content to more people because we don't really have laws. The platforms are trying to protect themselves because they don't want to be regular. They don't want to be held responsible for amplifying illegal content. But again, I'm sure that in Twitter case, like we kind of know that most people who worked at Twitter were in that kind of lib mindset or at least it was like probably. Well, yeah, that's the big thing. I mean, so there was, I'm sure there was some bias in who got no, shadow banned. Abs- like 100%. There would have been. And um, But also I don't care that much. Like people <laughs> get banned from fucking forums, like whatever. Like it's- Yeah, yeah. I don't like the, obviously the big thing is that Elon has said he wants to keep like a kind of shadow banning regime going. He said when he announced what he's kind of like or posted as most of his announcements come in the form of like replies to guys with like Pepe the Frog avatars and whatever. That's how he manages policy. He said that like, oh, you know, no one's going to get banned on my Twitter unless it's like a really extreme case of calling for violence or whatever. People are just going to have their messages suppressed if they're someone that is inciting hatred or using racial slurs or whatever. And then, you know, people can make up their own mind where they want to go and look at their page directly. Mm. So obviously he's like, he's literally saying shadow banning will continue. Yeah. The main problem these people have is not that the feature actually existed. It's more that it was deployed unfairly against True American patriots. Yes, yes. Well, like everything, it's like politics of like retribution. Like you want the laws applied to your enemies and not you. That's basically what politics is over there at the moment. Exactly. And you get this sort of throughout the whole process where it's like now you lefties are going to feel the boot, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Downround's going to get de-amplified. We're going to get shadow banned. If Downround gets de-amplified, you've got to seek us out. You've got to seek our content out. We're in the sensible centre. Yeah, exactly. No, we're completely down the middle and we, we will never articulate an opinion on this podcast, and that is our guarantee. Um, And the last thing they tackled on episodes three through five of the Twitter files was banning Trump. Mm. I actually think that they shouldn't have banned Trump. 
Yeah. I haven't heard, I haven't read three through five. So to clarify for anyone who might be unaware, they banned Donald Trump from Twitter after Facebook banned him. Mm. That, that's like one thing that I think is like relatively important context. But B, after he had lost the election, yeah, while he was like- Lame duck. Yeah, while he was sort of- Sowing doubt about the election result. The stolen election. The stolen election. Sorry, I just want to clarify. The election was stolen. <laughs> I know I just said we don't articulate opinions, but that's not an that's, opinion. That's, that's just a fact. That's just fact, yeah. Um, and yeah, the voting machines were made by like a Ukrainian company with ties to Hunter Biden. And George Soros and, and etc. We, we, these, are, these are things that we believe because they're true. <laughs> and also after the January 6th thing was also when he was banned from Twitter. Yeah. There's this weird, like, mythology amongst, like, Roman people that he was banned, like, during the election. There was an article in the Sydney Morning Herald from Parnell McGuinness, who's, like, an Australian conservative commentator, and she literally wrote an article for the Sydney Morning Herald on the basis that he was banned during the election and then got called out and was like, oh, actually, you know what? I got my chronology mixed up. And I was like, you didn't even get it mixed up. You made up something that would have been probably the biggest scandal in American political history. (laughs) I just, like, assumed it was true. Anyway. That's neither here nor there. I kind of, like, I agree with you on the basis that I find Trump's tweets very funny, but he's a high-grade poster. Yes. Natural poster. Natural poster. And, like, you know, the people deserve to, to sort of see those posts. But I understand that people may think that's a fairly shallow argument. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I guess my legitimate argument, which I'm just thinking of right now, is that, like, was it that bad? What do you, what do you, I mean, it's Trump. We want to know what he's, he's a public figure. Like, they shouldn't have banned Trump. Just, like, leave him on there. No, I haven't actually thought any, any harder about it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you look at the content they put out on the stuff they released, and there's a, a huge amount of disagreement. There are heaps of people, like, within Twitter being like, We can't ban we can't, the president. We cannot, can't ban the sitting president who hasn't handed over power to the next president, blah, blah, blah. Even like banning a politician is like really, really risky territory. Yes, there are also a lot of people on the other side, as you talk about the sort of like liberal Twitter employees who are like, we should have banned him in bloody 2011, yeah, yeah. you know, back when he was- We doing- could have stopped this. We could- exactly. So there was a lot of that. As Again, a lot of this comes down to the fact that 85% of any given tech company based in Silicon Valley is going to be like liberal. Yeah. This is something that obviously deeply rankles- Right-wingers yeah. who use technology. Yeah. And it's understandable. Your team is not the one who's, like, making the devices and administering the platforms. Yeah. You want a little bit more, you know, discretion or a little bit more equality in the way that things are dealt with. But it is a reality that the pendulum is going to swing a little bit to that side, just purely by virtue of, like, the alignment of the employees who work there. So I get yeah. why they're mad about that. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, even under given that context, you read the messages, you read, like, arguments they're having about it. And there's a lot of disagreement. There's a lot of people having like natural disagreements as you would in any company about yeah. any like major decision. Well, as I said, my strong opinion on it is the same as, as it was like, it just feels funny to ban a president slash a politician, but like that's kind of the argument. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it, it feels a bit weird, Yeah, which is not a particularly strong argument, you know, alternative being like, but would you have banned Hitler? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, my, my takeaway from like all this stuff I think it's overall good that this stuff is out there because I think there should be transparency in the way that all platforms are run, mm-hmm. whether it's like government mandated or it's because like Elon Musk is on a power trip or whatever. But at the end of the day, when I'm pretty sure what Elon's goal is, I'm just going to hire a lot more conservative employees and turn Twitter into something that's happy to like bring the boot down on these lefties. It's like, well, it's like a annoying culture war thing that has no 
actual like objective basis in reality. It's exactly. Like, it's an annoying cultural war. Because like, like if you certain Twitter threads and people will pop up on the feed and this is the biggest news that's ever happened in the world is exposing the internal dialogues around whether Twitter should surface pictures of Hunter Biden's dick or not, effectively. Yeah, and, like, there's a lot of people who are super passionate on that issue. Yeah. And I, I wish them well, but that, that ain't me. You <laughs> think mean, it is interesting to see what the content moderation decisions of, a, of like, the fifth biggest platform as in the I world say, As I say, it's great that it's transparent, but I'm, like, in terms of, like, extracting actual content and consequence, apart from being, like, oh, a company in one of the most liberal cities on earth in an industry dominated by, like, liberal people operated their platform in, like, a little bit of a liberal manner. Okay, great. Well, sure, if Elon's going to bring the boot down now, <laughs> I guess that's his prerogative. It's tough, basically. There's two basically competing priorities, right? You can do the what Elon claimed that he was going to do, which is anything that's not illegal is allowed to be on the platform, which he's, like, now swiftly turned around. Because he's obviously not engaged in these discourse, right, in that he's, like, Anything that's legal will be allowed on the platform, but obviously we will shadow ban anyone saying things that are hateful or like yeah. offensive. But point being, one side of the argument is like, yes. And I think I actually fall down on this. Is like, if it's not illegal, we're going to publish it. And I say that because I think there should be more government regulation over these bodies and basically they should have to follow the law. And I don't like the idea of big tech deciding like- Making decisions, yeah. Yeah, what is legal and what is illegal and what is culturally and socially acceptable and what isn't. Like that does make me feel a little bit uncomfortable as well as it being basically an impossible job when you think about the globe and them operating in every country. The flip side is they need to do what's in their business interests. They want to keep people engaged and on the platform. And if they want to- quote unquote ruin it by having a liberal bias then it's totally up to them to quote unquote ruin it by having a liberal bias or if they want to make decisions that they believe are in their business interest this is the free market this is what you asked for the business gonna business yeah yeah totally one of the big things that happened on Twitter is that he banned Kanye who you know obviously Kanye was posting relatively hatefully I would imagine I think we could all agree that his comments on the Jews not kosher thank you James Hennessy <laughs> But he didn't actually violate, he didn't call a call to violence. No. You know? So it's Elon making sort of like a captain's call on how the platform should be run and the sort of people that are accepted or not accepted. Why Why do you buy that frigging thing? <laughs> why do you buy Twitter? Like, what an absurd thing to do. <laughs> like, why has he put himself? Oh, no, no, it's just like he-, he The has, richest man on the planet. Real brainiac. The, the funniest part was that he- banned Kanye and started tweeting about it like literally two minutes after he was on stage talking at the Tesla announcement about the the truck. So it's literally he he walked off stage from what should be, in his vision, one of the biggest advances in sort of like logistics technology to like look at the the mod panel of the forum he runs. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, dude, this this is just what this is what you bought into. And most internet moderators do it for free. Rather than pay $44 billion for the privilege. Oh, well. It's your grave. <laughs> <laughs>